It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Hey, hey, hey. This is Speedway saying welcome, welcome, welcome to the Speedway Show. Today is the, I think this might be the last in our Day My Kids series. This deals with your little kitties from two to six years old. If you have a little one, I encourage you to listen to all of the series in uh, starting with the zero to six because actually that is the time when you really need to start taming your babies. And um, if you think, well, gee, zero, that's just way too young. Newborns, really, seriously? I encourage you to go listen to the show because I promise you it is not too young. One of the things I talked about in the last show for the toddler age kids, uh, 6 to 24 months, is that actually too many people underestimate their children. And they assume, oh, they're just too young, oh, they don't understand, oh, they don't get it. By the time you think your child is old enough to understand, they have tamed you already and they have already developed their bad habits and now you are going to have a really hard time trying to break those bad habits. Little do you realize that actually you're the one who allowed those bad habits to form in the first place. I deal with a number of different things that kids go through and how, and I'm going to give you examples for how to deal with them. I have to say that one of the things I'm very proud of is the fact that everywhere we go, uh, my kids are invariably applauded by other parents for being so well behaved. Sometimes I drive, you know, when the kids were as young as, you know, four and six, there were times when I'd have them in the back seat of the car and I'd be driving along and I'd be uh, on the phone, through my headset, usually talking to somebody on the phone. And at some point, there'd be a silence, and they'd go, hey, I thought you had your kids with you. Didn't you say you had your kids and you were going such and such? And I'd say, yes, I do. And then they'd say, well, I don't hear them. Where are they? And I'd say, oh, they're right here in the back seat. And they would be so quiet. And that was not accidental. It was because I taught my babies, when mommy's on the phone, I need you to be quiet. And typically... They, you have to train the kids to do that. It doesn't happen by accident. And they're not just born understanding that they have to be respectful. And so these are things that you have to teach them. Respect for elders is one of the things that I find is just uh, seems to have gone by the wayside. In my culture, I'm from Zimbabwe, there is a very strong uh, view among parents and you know the society in general that the most respected people in the society are the elders. If you have gray hair, it means you've lived, you're wise, you have um, things that you have wisdom beyond the years of somebody who doesn't have that gray hair. So the older you are, the more worthy of respect. And children are always to be respectful of adults. So, for example, in Zimbabwe, children never call their parents by their first names, ever. And so I don't allow my children to do that. Uh, Whenever they talk to other people who are older, it is Mr. Ben, Mr. Bruce, Miss Bridget, Aunt Vic, I mean, pick a name. 
but it's always auntie or mister or miss. Um, I haven't gotten into the habit of having them use the last names, although I have met kids who call me Mrs. Pierce or they call me Miss Pierce. And I really appreciate that because um, it's not about making you old adults. It's about being respectful of the fact that you are an adult and you are to be respected for by children. So, and and I do not, I, I you know, I don't like it when they call uh, uh, an adult by Miss So and So, and the person says, "Oh no, just call me, you know, Kathy." And I'm like, "No, I am not. Te- I'm teaching my kids to be respectful. So accept." that you are being treated with respect, and don't minimize that. And, you know, don't allow your own vanity about the fact that you're growing old to um, get in the way of the fact that you are worthy of respect because you are, let's just face it, you are getting getting old. I'm getting old. We are all getting old. Every day we are getting old. And the fact that some child calls you by your first name does not make you any younger, so let's just get over that. So anyway, that's my little soapbox, Um, and that's just me. So those are just my kids. But anyhow, on to other things that you might be able to use. Let's talk about bickering. This is an issue that affects a lot of parents who have multiple kids. They bicker. So the first thing I'll tell you about bickering is accept that this will always be an issue with siblings. But there are limits, okay? Um, there is a point when bickering and fighting does turn into sibling abuse, and that's a bad thing because it scars the kids. The fact that you don't intervene becomes a very bad uh, element of a child's life when they are abused by a sibling and uh, because they think, well, you know, I, I was subjected to this, you know, whatever kind of abuse, right, physical, sexual, psychological abuse, and mom did absolutely nothing, dad did absolutely nothing to protect me from my older sibling, my younger sibling, is very detrimental. So there is an element of sibling um, bickering that turns nasty and ugly, and it absolutely should be very strongly addressed. But beyond that, the day-to-day run-of-the-mill kind of bickering stuff, um, accept that it will always be an issue, but there are limits. And uh, while it can be great fun for you to just listen to them go at it or listen to them try and solve problems between themselves, um, intervene when you need to and create the right kinds of um, boundaries. So, for example, you know, as between my daughters, you know, they always want me, whenever somebody wants intervention, they, they what they really want is for me to punish the other kid. And what I know is that actually they both treat each other badly from time to time. They both misbehave. Um, They're both headstrong. And they both, you know, do silly things to each other. I don't really care uh, about that stuff. I really want them to sort that stuff out between themselves because I want them to build and solidify their own relationship. The other reason I want them to learn how to do that is because when they get out into the world, siblings are the best training for teaching adults to deal with other adults. They will always be, whether it's in school, whether it's in the workplace, they will always be bad personalities, rotten personalities, and those, by the way, are often the kids who weren't tamed when they were kids because they grow up to be, you know, really horrible adults. 
and you can see them. Those are the ones who throw the tantrums at work. Those are the ones who bully at work. Those are the ones who bully at school because mom and dad didn't take control of these kids at an early enough age, and they kept making excuses for their kids' bad behavior. So um, that's just another one of my soapboxes. Uh, you know, bad kids make bad adults. And uh, let's just face it. I remember my favorite motivational speaker, Zig Ziglar, saying that um, there was a study done once upon a time where they found that 90% of a child's personality is fully developed by the time they are seven years old. So the parents who blame the schools for their bad kids, the school did not see the child for most of the formative years when that kid's personality was being developed. Um, the other thing is that if most of your kids' personality is developed by seven, it means they still have some growing and changing to do. But after seven, they're not going to change that much. So don't start worrying about your teenager at teenage years because if you got the zero to seven age wrong, now you're going to have issues when they become teenagers. Or you're going to have more issues when they become teenagers. If you have disagreements with your spouse or your parents um, or your, 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 the other parent of your child, then you're going to have issues more than likely, especially if you've got completely different styles where maybe one parent is overly strict, the other parent is overly lenient. You're going to have some issues that are going to manifest themselves in that child. So back to bickering. Instill in them that having siblings is a privilege because actually most things in life are privilege. Um, we control very little of what we have. There are parents whose children don't talk to them. So even having children, it is not a foregone conclusion that you will always have a relationship with your children, which means it's not a right. It's a privilege. Um you are the child's temporary custodian because when they leave your house, you are done for the most part. Even if they come back in adulthood, it is never the same. And the other reason I say that you are a temporary custodian is because I want you to remember that you have a responsibility to do the best job you can raising that child because that child actually, whether you believe in him or not, that child belongs to God. God created that child um, and you just ask the parents who are unable to have children, and they will remind you that you are not in control over whether you even can have children or not. But that is God's child. And in fact, somewhere in the New Testament, Jesus makes some pretty serious threats to adults for what will happen to you if you do not treat the children well and if you abuse the privilege of having children under your uh, your guidance, your tutelage, your um, um, control. And, in fact, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to quote it, but, in fact, I think he, he pretty much says something like, you know, woe be unto him um, who harms one hair on these children's heads. In fact, uh, it would be better for that person if they weren't born. And I think he makes a pretty strong threat, too. I forget what it is, but he, he, he promises some pretty horrible things um, if you mistreat children, if you abuse children. And I think it also goes to the idea that it is your responsibility to tame your kids. Proverbs talks about, you know, he who hates his child, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. And uh, in fact, it says something like, if you spare the rod, you hate your child or something equally, you know, some lightning rod. And um, 
a lot has been made of that. You know, is the Bible advocating that you beat your children? No, not at all. Um, in fact, I heard my in in church one day. My pastor explained that in the original Hebrew language, um, the rod was a term that was synonymous with discipline. It wasn't a physical stick that you were supposed to use on your child. It was the idea that you discipline your child. If you love your child, you discipline them. Why? Because they have to get out into the world and they have to learn how to get along with other people. They have to learn how to treat people with love and respect. They have to learn how to be considerate because if they don't, they're not going to get out there and have their own way. They're going to get out there and they're going to be the boss who is hated. They're going to be the coworker nobody wants to work with. They're going to be the kid in school nobody wants to play with and they will be miserable. And when they get old enough, guess who they're going to blame? Their parents. Why? Because while you were too busy trying to be a friend to your parent, to your child, you forgot to be a parent. And what they really needed you to be was a parent, not their friend. So, back to bickering. I keep digressing. Back to bickering. Instill in them that having a sibling is a privilege. Not everybody has one, and it's too late for them to give theirs back. they want to give their sibling back because you will have those questions. And the other thing you can tell them is you are expected to love and respect your sibling. When my kids start bickering to the point where I get tired of it, I just tell them, look, it's a privilege. And if you can't treat your sibling with love and respect, then you're just not going to treat your sibling any kind of way. So I want both of you to be silent until such time as you learn to treat each other with love and respect. And they'll get it. They'll get it. Um, Now, not talking to each other may not solve the problem forever, but you know what? It will give you peace for the moment. (laughs) And most siblings actually do like to be around each other. They like to hang out. And even if they bicker, they actually kind of like that too. So actually when you tell them they can't talk to each other, that tends to be a punishment unto itself. Between the ages of, you know, when when they are at this age, between two and six years old, this is a fantastic time to teach them values. It's a fantastic time to teach them negotiation. It's a fantastic time to teach them all sorts of things that you want them to carry into the rest of their lives. I'll give you an example. At one point I decided I was going to establish a new um, tradition. Friday night was movie night. We were going to go to Blockbuster. This was when Blockbuster was still open. We were going to Blockbuster, and um, all three of us were each going to choose a DVD. Now, that was part of the taming, too, because it was you get one DVD apiece. Not two, not three. You get one. The only way you can get more than one is if somebody forfeits. So if Olivia gets to the video store and decides she doesn't really have a video that she wants, then Jamie can pick two, and so on. But you pick one video, not a doll, not a can of pop, not candy, not a toy, a DVD, just one. So that was a big part of it. That was also where we learned about age-appropriate movies. What is age-appropriate? No, you cannot get that movie because it's not age-appropriate. That was the very first lesson that we learned when we got to the video store, and the girls at the time had to be, oh, they were probably mm, six and eight, maybe, 
So we learned what age-appropriate was, and I explained to them what it meant. It means, you know, there's certain kind, there's certain movies, there's certain shows that you cannot watch because you're too young. I mean, you explain it in ways that they can understand, right? Age-appropriate. So we learned. We get into the car, and I say to the girls, okay, girls, we don't have enough time for both of you to watch both of your movies tonight, so you guys have to choose. We have about five minutes between now and the time we get home. And in the next five minutes, I want the two of you to agree on which movie you're going to watch tonight. That's all I said. And they bickered the whole way home. Bicker, 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 they did. By the time we got home, both of my little babies were in tears. Now, I did not intervene. I just listened. They were both in tears. Oh, they were so distraught, upset, upset, upset. And I turned around as if I had heard absolutely nothing of the bickering that they did all the way home, and I said quite cheerfully, so have the two of you agreed on your choice? And I heard this. Nothing but crickets. And uh, both of them were just mad. They were sniffling. They were angry and and just, just mad as could be. So I said to them, well, um, in that case, I guess you did not agree, and do you remember what the agreement was? You guys had to agree. Since you haven't agreed, I guess neither one of you gets to watch your movie. I'm going to watch my movie. So now both of them were mad. Oh, the tears, the tantrums, and uh, they just kind of carried on. So I said that, and this is what I heard then. <laughs> I watched my movie, and that was that. The next Friday, just like it had never happened, the same thing. I said, uh, so we've got five minutes to get home, and what I want you to do is I want you to agree on what movie we're going to watch. And the whole time, so immediately, Jamie, the six-year-old, says, oh, yes, we agree, says she. And I said, oh, really, already? This is before we even left the parking lot. And she says, yes, yes, Mama, we agree. And Olivia's kind of looking at her like, really, we agree? And uh, she said, yes, we agree that we're going to watch my movie first. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, well, um, Olivia, is that true? And Olivia's pouting. And I said, well, I don't think Olivia agrees. So between now and the time we get home, I want the two of you to agree. So we go home, bicker, 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 all the way home, bicker, bicker, bicker. We get home. By the time we get home, I turned around. And I said, just like I hadn't heard anything, so have the two of you agreed on a movie? And Jamie is still agreeing that they should watch her movie. Olivia is ticked off and annoyed, and she's like, well, fine. I guess we can just watch her movie. To which I said, okay, listen, girls, agreement means you have to not just agree in word, but you have to feel it. You have to really agree in your hearts that this is the right thing, and both of you have to feel good about it. And if you don't feel, if, if both of you do not feel good about it, then you have not reached an agreement. So guess what? You haven't agreed. And now they know what's coming, right? Since you haven't agreed, I guess Mommy will just have to watch her movie. <laughs> oh, well. Third time around, because I told you, when you discipline your kids, it's going to take them about three or four times, and then they'll get it. Third time around, blockbuster, same thing, same five minutes. The first thing they said 
when I gave them the rules was, Olivia says, oh, Jamie, I think we should watch your movie first because it looks really interesting. And Jamie says, really, Olivia, you think that? Oh, well, I think maybe we should watch your movie first because actually your movie, I've been really wanting to see it. And I thought, oh, this is fantastic. So the whole way home, it's, oh, after you, no, after you, no, after you. So we get home like I haven't heard a word, and I said, so, have you agreed on a movie? And Jamie says, yes, Mama, I really think we should watch Olivia's movie first. And Olivia says, really, you think so, Jamie? And Jamie says, yes, absolutely, I've been wanting to watch that movie. Like I said, I've been wanting to watch that movie. I think it would be really interesting. So they both agreed to watch Olivia's movie first. It took three times, but they finally got it. I tell you, they learn to love and respect each other. They learn to negotiate. They learn to function within the boundaries and the rules that I had given them because every single time they had five minutes to agree on whose movie they were going to watch. And because the consequence was immediate every time, right, if you don't agree, neither one of you gets to watch your movie and mommy gets to watch the movie, they got it. And one of the things that I've consistently taught my kids which makes them, which forces them, to agree on stuff is if mom has to impose the consequence, neither one of y'all is going to be happy. So you better arrive at a decision yourself. And if you think that's a that's an odd thing to say to your kids, think about the fact that into adulthood forever after that is always the case. If you've got two coworkers who are not agreeing, if their boss has to step in and solve that problem, it's going to be unpleasant. As a lawyer, I can promise you that Generally, most judges will tell you, you better agree, because if you don't agree, I'm going to impose my own decision, and both of you will be unhappy. These are life lessons that you teach those kids, and they will stay with them for life because this is how the world works. And the other thing that's true is, you know, two coworkers are expected to solve their own problems. The boss does not expect to have to step in and play the referee. No judge wants to play the referee. So at the end of the day, you teach them when they're six, you teach them when they're three, and they will get it forever after. And that's how you build on values. So those are the things that you can start teaching your kids between ages two and six. And the fun thing about that age, the reason why it's the best time, is because now they get logic. Now they really get choice and consequence. Now they really understand the things that you want to tell them. But yet again, I say to you, limit the lecturing. Try and keep a an answer to or a lecture to two minutes or less because after a certain point you just lose them and they feel like you're just going on and on and on. Um, this is where you get to teach them about all kinds of things. Uh, between two and six, that was when I taught my children about prayer and meditation and incorporated, incorporated it as part of our bedtime routine. Because the Lord's Prayer is long and I wanted them to learn it, I sang it. I taught them how to sing it. And they will always remember it because I heard the song when I was in high school. It was sung by two girls in assembly one day when I was uh, at my Dominican convent high school. And they sang it twice, and I always remembered it after that.
but basically it, it's it's a lovely song. It, and and I can't sing. I'm just going to warn you, but I'll give you the gist of it. And and it's a it's a song that they follow. I sing, they follow. All right, you ready? Yeah. Olivia, you ready? Yep. Okay. Our Father, our Father, who art in heaven, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, hallowed be thy name, hallowed be thy name, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, thy will be done upon the earth, upon the earth, as it is in heaven, as it is in Give us this day, give us this day, our daily bread, our daily bread, and forgive us, and forgive us our trespasses, our trespasses, as we forgive, as we forgive, forgive those, forgive those who trespass, who trespass against us. example, would you want your classmates to treat you the way you just treated her? How would that make you feel if you were ignored the way you just ignored that child who said hello to you? Start building a concept of empathy within your children. And those are all tools that you can use to tame your kids and teach them empathy, teach them integrity. My 8-year-old will tell you that integrity is what you do when nobody else is watching. And there's nobody there but you and God. So it means if mom says, don't misbehave, don't eat that cookie, it means you don't eat the cookie because she said so, not because she's watching. If mom says, you need to, after like that, I expect you to go to sleep and not, you know, read under the read under the blankets, integrity means you actually don't do that because it's what you do when nobody is watching. So this is the time. You teach them all of those values that you wish that they had because they will carry them into the rest of their lives ad infinitum. A lot of times I hear, you know, parents lament, oh, my goodness, look at what this athlete did. Oh, my goodness, look at what the president has done. What are we going to tell our children? This is the time to teach them values. This is the time to teach them that everyone is fallible. 
everyone, we are all trying to be perfect. Jesus said himself, be ye perfect, but nobody said, we are perfect. So this is the time to teach them, do not blindly follow someone just because they're an athlete, because they're rich, because they're famous, because they're all human just like me and you. They all make mistakes just like you and me. And that's how you teach them. That's what you teach them about the misbehaviors of adults. And you don't get them thinking that somehow this adult has to be infallible and if they fall off the the, the pedestal that you put them on, that somehow it's it's it means that something in your kid's world has changed. No, it just means people are fallible. That is all. Um, the other thing, start building a rapport to minimize them not talking to you when it matters. This is a lesson that um, the girl's dad and I got when from another couple that did this with their kids. And what they did was, starting from the time that Jamie was two and Olivia was two, at bedtime, whoever, whichever parent put them to bed would talk to them um, and give them an opportunity to say whatever was on their minds. Now, if you say to a two-year-old, is there anything that you'd like to talk about? Chances are there probably isn't. Is there anything you're wondering about? Chances are there probably isn't. And when they start wondering about things, they're going to wonder about stuff like, well, why is the sky blue, Daddy? So how do birds fly, Mama? And you, you go through all of that stuff. But you, you establish it as part of the bedtime routine where you can talk about anything at all. Because when they get to six and they ask you questions like, so what's the difference between girls and boys between the legs? That was a six-year-old question I got from Olivia. Now, your your job is you have to answer the question and you can't fall out. And you can't start asking, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, who told you? What made you think that? Why are you even asking? You can't do that. You can't freak out. And you have to answer the question. And my advice is answer it honestly. Don't lie to your children. If your seven-year-old says, where do babies come from? You know, keep it to the level of a seven-year-old, but be honest. Don't tell them the stork brought them because <laughs> the stork didn't. Um, but teach them early. When Olivia was eight, um, that was when she asked about sex. And I got on the Internet and I showed her what the organs looked like and I showed her, you know, and I gave her the idea for, for, for what happens when people have sex. But the reason I told her that is, number one, I wanted her to get the right facts. I wanted them to get them from me because I could create the paradigm and the context in which sex happens. Sex happens between two married people who love each other very much. And sex is how married people make babies. I don't want her thinking sex is something that I get to do when I am in fifth grade with some boy, right? That's how you teach them. So when they go to school and they get information that contradicts what mommy and daddy told them, the most influential person in your child's life is you, the parent. More than their their friends, more than anybody at school, more than movies, it's you. So that's when you start building that rapport because I promise you, to this day, um, now that Olivia is 11, when we have those nighttime conversations, they are getting real, folks. At 11, we're talking about boys. We're talking about does he like me or does he not. We're talking about how do you behave when boys are, you know, mistreating you because they like you. What do you say when a boy says he has a crush on you? What do you say when he wants you to go to the school dance? How do you treat him? Um, and those are all valuable, valuable, valuable lessons. You know, at at, at 10, um, 
Olivia had a crush on this boy, and she wanted him to take her to the school dance, and he was just not interested in her. And that was the time when we had to have the conversation. You know, this boy has looked at you ever since the two of you were in third grade because you all have known each other that long. It's not that he doesn't know who you are. It's not that he hasn't noticed. So don't act stupid to try and get his attention. He has already made a decision about you. What you need to do now is you need to accept it and move on. He's not into you. Accept it and move on. Why? Because whether she is 11, whether she's 10, whether she's 18, whether she's 30, the truth will always be the truth. If he has seen who you are and he's not making a move, he's not into you. It's not that he hasn't thought about it, because believe me, I've had brothers, oh, they think about it. It's the first thing they think about when they meet a girl. Is it somebody I might be interested in and for what? Might, might I be interested in? Is she the kind of girl I take home to mom? Is she the kind of girl I just have fun with and leave out there in the streets? Is she the kind of girl who's just cheap and easy and I can use her and throw her away? They have thought through all of that. Now, maybe that's not really what they're thinking in fifth grade, but this is the time to start instilling in your girls, especially your girls. Do not run around chasing after guys. If a guy is interested, it's his job to come after you. And if he's not coming after you, don't you do that because he's not interested and he'll just think you're cheap and easy if you do. So these are the conversations we get to have now. And the reason we get to have them and the reason she's asking is because when she was two, we established that conversation, that safe zone of conversation where every night it was just me and her having a conversation one-on-one about whatever. And the last thing I'll leave you with is teach your children to fix their own problems. Don't do it for them. You left your hat at school. Shucks. What are you going to do? You're mad because your friend didn't let you have your way. What did you do about that? What are you going to do? You are feeling hurt because of something that somebody said to you at school. Hmm, how did you react? What did you do? What did you say? What are you going to do about it if it's unresolved? Um, Now, they're, they're growing, right? So you want to suggest to them things. But my, but what I'm saying to you is empower your kids to fix their own problems. Because when you're not there anymore, when she's 18 and she's in college and she's faced with the mean girls at school, you don't want her wishing her mom was there to fix the problem. You want her to have already been empowered with tools that she can use to deal with that situation. Even if the tool is a certain way of looking at that situation and saying, you know what, Out of all the people that you know, there are always going to be a certain number that just don't like you, so I'm just going to leave it alone. Even if that's the solution, you want to empower your kids, and like I said, if they are who they are by the time they get to seven, all of those lessons are lessons that you teach before they ever get to age seven. So it's not too early, and even if you listen to this and go, well, gee, I didn't do all of that. Um, it's never too late to start. It's never too late to teach them. It's never too late to guide. So guide with love and discipline and boundaries and to teach them, even when you're mad at them. It's fine to say, you know what, I'm really upset with you right now. I don't like what you did, and I'm really going to I'm gonna come up with a punishment. I have to go away and think about it, especially when they get older, right, six. They get it. Um, but when bedtime comes, They still get the hug and kiss because, you know what, even when I'm upset with you, I love you. You are my baby, you are beautiful and smart, and I will always love you. And as a matter of fact, one of the reasons I'm upset with you is because I know you know better. I know that you are better than this. You can behave better, and that's why I'm disappointed because I know you. And 
even when you're mad at them, you can empower them. You can make them want to rise to do better the next day. You you can make them want to rise and, and make you proud of them. And you can make them think, oh, yeah, I am better than that. I, I There is more expected of me. And the more you expect of them, the more they will rise to the challenge. So help and guide, but encourage them to be who they are, solve their own problems, and teach them those values at an early age. So that is all I have to say to you about your uh, two- to six-year-olds. Hopefully this is enough to get you going in some really good directions. This is Speedway saying go in peace and love and tame those children. Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle The Speedway Show. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.